0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Today's service is about power outages. And I want to make sure that you get the gravity of what I'm saying. So I, I'm going to try to give you every bit of energy that I have this morning. Because before I get into the imagery and the stories and the work of God, I just want to state my point right from the beginning. I believe that we are suffering from a power outage. I'll say that again. I believe we are suffering from a power outage. Who is we? Well, I believe that we as a country are suffering from a power outage. I believe that we as Christians across America are suffering from a power outage. I believe that even some of us here at Kingsway are suffering from a power outage. I believe that those of us in our homes, husband and wives and family raisers, are suffering from a power outage. I believe, church that we need desperately to turn the power back on. The vision and mission of Kingsway is clear. It's to inspire connection, to connect with God's people. That's all of you. That's the people in the neighborhood. That's the people in the community, knowing who we are, us, knowing who they are, helping them through what God is asking us to do, serving them and loving them, connecting us with purpose. God is doing that through giving you a meaning and purpose in your life, trying to push you in a direction that maybe you haven't been before, creating and instilling ministry in your life. Some of you have begun to do that. Some of you are about to start that. But church, we believe that God is to inspire connection with you in power. This is what separates most of the denominations. And our denomination is no different. We believe the Holy Spirit is alive today. That when the veil of the temple broke, that he came down to earth. And he brews among us. And he lives inside of us. And he wants to see. And he wants to help you accomplish greater works. The Bible says. But that requires his power. We can't do it by me. We can't do it through Kingsway. We can't do it if Pastor Terry comes and lays his hands on someone. Pastor Terry is not God. Pastor Terry himself is not power. God is working through him. God is working through me. God is working through you, church. And if he's not, you have a power outage. I'm interested. How many people were affected at all by the storm this weekend? Anybody? Anybody? Only a handful, okay. Of the people who were affected, how many lost their power in the storm? Okay, the same amount. How many still don't have power? Anybody? Ever? One? You still have power, okay. Um, yeah, this, this weekend was uh, an interesting storm. It came in, it was a lot of wind, 40, 50, in some cases 60 miles an hour, and it created uh, a lot of devastation, and it created a similar power outage we were driving around at that time. I'll tell you about that in a second. We came to streets, and, and there were no street lights. We weren't sure if we were supposed to go or stop and had to explain to the kids how that all worked. And it was difficult. And you know when you have a power outage, and you go home and there's no power, you immediately think, well, where can I get power from? And if there's a house in the neighborhood that has power or a restaurant that has power or a building that has power or a family member that has power, especially when it gets dark and cold, if there's lights on somewhere has power, you flock to it. You want to go to where the power is. Heat, water, food. We did. Amen? See, this is no different at church. Last week, Pastor Terry comes, and it was an interesting service. And, and, you know, I apologize, um, Kingsway, for not preparing you more for Pastor Terry's ministry. His ministry is different than mine. And his ministry is one that focuses on the gifts of the Spirit and the prophetic and altar ministry. And for those of you who were part of it and didn't see the end, and for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, I'll tell you it was a long service. The preaching was about the same amount, about an hour. And after the preaching happened, then there was an altar service. And some people came down to get prayed for, and then some more people came down to get prayed for. And then others in the back were like, well, I want to get prayed for. And we got done praying for everyone. Then more people said, I want to get prayed for. More people. By the time we got done praying, a total of five hours had passed. I mean, it was almost 3, 4 o'clock. I don't even remember what time we got out of here. Because God was moving, and power was made manifest. People were flocking to the power. But I need to make it very clear. I need to make it very clear before I continue. The altar service last week, and what God was doing here at the church last week, was not because of Pastor Terry. Pastor Terry does not have some special power. God was working through Pastor Terry. Pastor Terry was merely being very, very obedient. He was being very, very open to be used by God in ways that many pastors are not comfortable doing. And people want to flock to that. You know, you're interested. You want to watch. You want to see. And that's good. God wants you to investigate what he's doing. He's okay with that. And as long as it bears fruit, then, hey, I'm all for it. I want to see what God is doing. And how interesting it was, Amber, when we had that service last week. But in the middle of the worship service, in the middle of the service, guess what happens? A power outage. I mean, it just goes out, the light, the whole church, the the whole neighborhood out for I don't know how long. I thought it was about 20, 30 seconds. Amber thought it was about five seconds. I don't know. We'll go check the record. It seemed like a long time. Just out, no power. Couldn't sing, no lights, no computer, nothing. The whole church was like, what do we do? Power came back on. We began to worship. And it set the pretense for this whole week. You see, Amber and I and the pastors, we were talking about it. He wants to remind you. That no matter what glitz and glamour we do here in worship, no matter what we do with our messages and our multimedia and our sounds and our lights, no matter what we do with the decorating of this building, how creative we get with our services, no matter who we invite to Kingsway, no matter what type of ministry they're bringing with them, the reality is it's not about us or them. It is about God. He is here. Don't forget who He is God wants to do something in your life, and he has a name, and his name is Jesus. Are you following me, church? So he's trying to get our attention. And so what do you need to do? Well, in order to explain what you need to do, I have an imagery for you. I have an object lesson, if you will. I want to show you. Would you mind? Anyone know what this is? On the screen, I have some plates with some fancy food. My wife started looking at the fancy food, and she's like, Ew, 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 I'll eat the dessert. (laughs) This is a fancy setting here. It's a fancy place. It's a fancy presentation of the food. This is really expensive food. I want to share with you what this is. You see, in New York, often um, when I'm with my clients and I have to go out sometimes, occasionally I get invited to these menus where it's called a tasting venue. What is a tasting menu? A tasting menu is when the chef prepares a series of dishes and he serves them to you. It's his best work, if you will. It's highly presented, it's it's very expensive, and it looks really fancy. And it's usually small portions like this. This is a tasting menu. And I tell you, the first time I was introduced to this, that meals come out one plate at a time, little plates. And it's often foods you haven't eaten and mixes of foods you wouldn't possibly think to put together. And your mind would say, ooh, the, the first course I got was something that I thought was soup. And all it was was these little look like croutons and, and mayonnaise in a bowl. I was like, this is nasty. And I was like, this is soup. This is what I'm supposed to eat. Hold on. You know, mere peasant calm down. He comes and brings over this little thing and starts pouring it in there, which I swear looks like split pea soup, which I told my wife. It is not. It's a mixture of things that is concocted all gluten-free. And, and then you begin to taste it. And you go, wow. What is that? Couldn't possibly replicate it at home. There is no recipe, known to man. The only one who could do it is the chef that's sitting in the back creating this tasting menu for you and for me. The point of this little object lesson is in order to get the tasting menu, you can't look at the menu and begin to say, I want this, I want this, I want that, I want this. You can't do that. Because if you do that, all the taste all mixed up and it doesn't taste right and the courses don't work right, you can't do that. The only way to enjoy something like this is to say when you go in, I will hand over my decision-making and the price, by the way, to the chef you have to say let him choose and then he will bring out food like this you have to just say yes you have to trust the chef in the back knows what he's doing better than any other person in the restaurant better than you in fact he even knows what you like and don't like better than you do because when he mixes the things you don't like with other things you would never heard of now you love it and you see, this is what altar prophecy is like. It's like a tasting menu. You get ex- opened and experienced to something you were not expecting. And then you hear something very, very personal. And you have a choice to trust the chef, the one in heaven who is giving you the recipe, and just say, yes, I will receive this. This, 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 this is speaking into my life. Or not. And if you do, if you do say yes, if you take the opportunity to hear what God is saying to you, that God will move you to a place that you have not been before. That is why he works this way. Just like these menus, you'll you'll try food you've never tried before. And so this message is also about saying yes to God, despite what's in front of you, despite if the power is out, despite what your situation is, saying yes to God. Amen. Amen. So saying yes can look a lot like this. You have this checklist in front of you and you say, huh, I'm hearing something at an altar service or I'm hearing something spoken over my life or I'm home without power and I'm going to complain. What am I going to do? Am I going to say yes to God? Am I going to say no to God? Or am I going to say, I don't know? These choices are in front of you all the time. Opportunities to say yes to God. Last week, there was hours of time to come up to the altar. Some of you decided not to come up. You wanted to watch and see. Some of you did decide to come up. Some of you decided not to come up till very late in the service. At some point, some of you said yes to God early, middle, late. Some of you are still trying to figure out if you don't know. I encourage you today. I encourage you today. Not for me, not for Pastor Terry, but I encourage you for your own spiritual journey. Say yes to God. Say, I will receive anything you have for me. I will receive anything you want for me because you give good gifts and you have a plan and a future for me. Amen? Amen. Now I have a question for you. When you do these altar calls, these, these altar ministries, how come the prophets, how come they don't tell you that tomorrow is going to be awful? How come they don't tell you, you know, th- this week is going to be a disaster? How come they don't say a storm's about to come and you're going to get wrecked, Right? And sometimes if it's personal, they'll give you some personal caution. But in general, uh, these 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 prophecies are uplifting and encouraging, and they're not about some great disaster that's about to befall you. Like all of these things that generally hit us day by day. Anxiety and bullying and mortgage and taxes now, and expectations and stress and late nights. And it begins to bombard you. How come the prophecies aren't about that? I'll tell you why. It's pretty simple. Because say hello, to Murphy. Thanks, Murphy. Everyone knows who Murphy is. I asked my kids, you know who Murphy is? They go, Murphy who? I'm talking about Murphy's Law. You see, anytime you're going to get good news, anytime, even outside of church, anytime that you're excited about something, if anything bad can happen, it generally will. It's called Murphy's Law. And so you don't need the Bible, you don't need a prophet, you don't need a pastor to say, oh, church feels good, but when I leave church, something bad's about to happen. That's Murphy's Law. Something's got to happen. Look, I'm a pastor, I, you, you may call me a man of God, you may think everything's straight in my life, all kind of crazy things happen to me. I get almost no sleep at home, we got so many things going on, I travel once in a while, I like to go to hotels when I travel, and I think to myself, I'm away from my family, and that's gonna stink, but at least I get one night of sleep. I can go to bed early, I can get up late. It's fantastic. I booked a hotel. I go to the hotel. I'm in New York. And I'll tell you, at 5 o'clock in the morning, I am dead sleep. I'm like, what is that? And they're outside building something right next to my window. I mean, it's like right here. And then 6 o'clock comes, and now they're allowed to hammer. Boom. 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 I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. 7 o'clock comes, and they break out the saws. I mean, all this is happening right next to my window. Five, six, seven, Murphy's Law. You see my point? You don't need a prophet to tell you that. Satan is going to try everything he can to make sure that God's plan is not made manifest in your life. And so what I wanted to tell you about is, is a story, real quick here, about my life this weekend. I did a message uh, about a year ago, almost to the date, called Today Happened. Uh, my son wanted me to call this message Today Happened Again. You see, I was really excited come Friday. I was really excited. I took a day off work, and my wife had all these plans for the day. See, we're looking for a home, and it's hard to find time to go see homes. And so she had worked with the real estate agent and booked like... Three or four homes for us to go look at on Friday. So I was gonna to go to the during the day, go look at all these homes, and then come home at night. I was gonna have dinner with the children, gonna put them bed early, you know, maybe even take a bath, relax. And then I was gonna work on my sermon and get my message all completely done for Saturday because I had some things I wanted to do. I was so excited for Friday. And then comes Friday, and we start planning out our day, and the wind has already started. I mean, it is blowing, and I'm like, do I need a jacket? She's like, well, it's cold out." it's beautiful out. It's sunny. I don't need a jacket for this. We start going to look at homes, and the first home, we start to get, like, the wind is now blowing so hard, we can barely get into the property. The door, like, you know, won't open. I'm blowing, it's so cold. Like, let's look at the outside. No, no, thank you. I don't want to look at the outside. I'm freezing. So that's not going so well. And we continue to house hunt. We continue to house hunt until the point where the wind was so bad that in one of the houses, a tree literally fell down in front of it. We couldn't even see the house. Like, so this, this house isn't working out. That house isn't working out. This person's like, it's crazy. No one should be out in this, not even you. I'm like, great. Now we're getting advice from the homeowners not to come see the house. The day is just going downhill fast. And so as we're doing all this house hunting... We're driving in this neighborhood that we like, and we come across this house that is for sale right on the corner. Now, we don't have an appointment, but it's got one of them signs out front. It's got one of them brochures, you know. So I'm like, oh, this is great. We're on a slow road. Lance, can you get out of the car and go get the brochure for me, and then we'll take a look at it and see if we like the house. He's like, sure, Dad, I can do that. Opens the door. He walks out. And I tell you, we had no idea how hard that went blowing until my son, who weighs less than 100 pounds, was in it. And we're in an open area, and he tries to get to that brochure. And I tell you, it was like something from the Wizard of Oz. He's like this, I'm going, Dad! I'm going! Okay, now a car's coming. I got to get out of the way, so I'm now across the street. I'm watching. He's got the brochure. And we said, come down here, Lance. He's trying to come to us. And the wind is blowing him like this. (laughs) He's got a fence next to him. He's holding on to the fence. I'm not kidding you. We actually have a video. I'm not going to show you the video. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I mean this is the type, this is the type of wind and power that we were dealing with. We try to get home that night. Roads are shut down. I'm like, are you kidding me? My one night. I can't even get home. Uh, Every way we go, a road is shut down. Cops are saying no. Trees down. My wife's like, go this way, turn right, turn left. We literally could not get home. And all this time I'm just thinking, once I get home, she's like, oh, we'll make dinner when we get home. It'll be great. Let's just get home. I'm like, I just want to get home. Let's just please get home. I have two kids at home, by the way, thinking everything's fine. I get home, and I realize as soon as I pull into my neighborhood, there's no power anywhere in my neighborhood. And I'm thinking, that can't be possible. I mean, one of my kids would have told me that we didn't have power in the house all day long, right? So we must be the only house that has power in the neighborhood. God be the glory. I pull up to my house, and sure enough, the power is completely out. Well, it gets so much better. It's almost pitch black now. And my son was thinking, well, because the wind was blowing so hard, our trash was blowing all around the neighborhood. And so he figured he would collect it, doing something good. So he collected all the trash, put it in trash cans. But if he left the trash cans outside, they would blow down. So he thought to himself, I should bring the trash cans in the house. And we have a bunch of big trash cans. So he brought them in the house. Little do you know, I'm walking into a pitch black house. I open the front door, and guess what I walk into? four or five massive trash cans. Trash everywhere. Are you kidding me? Put them in the garage, son. I can't. The garage door won't open because there's no power. This is my day. There was no bath. There was no hot water. There was no way to cook. This is Friday night. What I'm trying to say to you, church, what I'm trying to say is Murphy will happen even to Pastor Sean. So you guys got words. God is speaking your life, whether it was at the altar here or whether it was in services before. And I know that there are things in your life that show a power outage. I know that there's a severing of the power that happens at church when you leave here. And you wonder, does God's power work in my house? Does God's power work in my life? Is it just me that has to deal with all these struggles and challenges? I must not be as good as everyone at church because when I leave here, I'm in constant challenge mode. And I know the pastor, he's home and everything's great. He's definitely the only guy with power at his house. That's not true. The Bible talks about that every believer, every follower of Christ are going to be challenged every day. Why are you going to be challenged every day? This doesn't matter who you are. You could be a minister, a man of God, or you could be somebody who's admitted to be a sinner and stuck in sin. You're going to be challenged every day. Every day. Why are you going to be challenged every day? Well, one reason is because Satan's going to attack you. And you have to understand that Satan will attack you He is roaring, roaming, roaring like a lion, it says, the Bible says. Like a thief in the night, kill, destroy, devour. He is desperately trying to ruin your day. Do you understand that, church? Especially when God is speaking into your life. He wants to give you every reason not to believe that when you walk out those doors. But I don't want to give too much credit to Satan. Because it's not just Satan why you're challenged every day. You see, there was a time, my wife and I talk about it all the time, back in the Garden of Eden, when sin originally entered into this world. Was it Adam's fault? Was it Eve's fault? We talk about it all the time. I will say, I looked it up recently. You know, when God told Adam not to eat the fruit, Eve wasn't even born yet. That's an interesting thought. Anyway, so sin entered the world, and we live in a suffering world. Because sin is in this world, this world is suffering. So therefore, things all around us are corrupted and contaminated, and you will deal because you live in a suffering world with challenges. Even if you are Jesus Christ who came to this suffering world and had to walk through it and deal with the same challenges you and I had to deal with. Amen? And you may also deal with challenges because of sin itself sin in your personal life. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us has fallen short. And because of that sin, there is a price to pay, whether it was sin last week, last year, or last night. And those prices to pay manifest themselves in our lives and in those around us. And sure, we can ask for forgiveness. And sure, God will forgive us. And sure, he will make a place for us in heaven. But there is still a price to pay in challenges that we deal with on this planet every day of our lives. But there's another reason we're challenged. It's the reason I talk about most in the Bible. Not necessarily because of Satan, not necessarily because of sin of this world, and not necessarily because of sin in your life. We're challenged most often because God is proving us. God is testing us. God is putting us through something that we may learn something greater. And often when God gives you a prophecy, often when God is speaking into your life, you walk out that door and within minutes you are tested. Somebody says, oh, that can't be true. Oh, uh, he must, he, he pastor must have told him something. Oh, God really doesn't want to do that in your life. God really doesn't want to heal you. God really doesn't want to promote you. God really doesn't want to help you here or help you there. The Bible says that the sun will rise on the good and the evil. Matthew 5, 45. It says that the rain will fall on the just and the unjust. Church, are you hearing me? No matter who you are today, no matter what you think of certain people, good or bad, God's warmth will warm them and his rain will fall on them. Because that's the world we live in. Are you tracking? I tell you all this because of this. It says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in a world where you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John sixteen three, I have told you these things so that you may have peace, Church. I'm walking you through the story of my life. I'm walking you through the altar ministry so that you may have peace, knowing that God is trying to do something in your life. He's trying to do something here at Kingsway, and yet there are challenges. Don't consider those challenges a mistake or, or some type of problem. Those challenges are confirmation that God is doing something in your life. Jesus is telling us this so that we may have peace. Take heart. Jesus has already overcome them. What does it say later in Scripture? It says, and we know that God calls us everything. You want to know what God calls us? You want to know what God calls us? We have these questions all the time in theology. What does God call us? Well, it says right here, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I use these verses all the time. Why? Because I want to get them into your spirit, into your mind, that God is working through you despite what we see, despite the power outages in our life. God is trying to work through you to do something greater. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pull this together in a second here. Just keep following. God is in control. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. We serve one God. He's not changing, becoming, evolving. He is the great I am. He feels the same way about you today as he did when you were born, as he did when he fashioned you in heaven. He loves you desperately. And he wants great things for you. And that's why he begins to move. And in churches like ours who allow his spirit to move, you begin to feel and experience his presence. You begin to feel his love. You begin to feel him moving at the altars. You be- some people feel it so dramatically. Literally, they fall down. It's called falling out. Yes, they do. In some cases, you see, when we, when, when we do it at a church, we may have somebody standing behind them, and they may catch them. And we do that on purpose. Why? Do we need to catch them? Well, if God is allowing them to fall out, you would think that God is going to protect them on the way down. He did protect them on the way down. He sent us these ushers to catch them. But sometimes people get a little carried away, and if they're getting carried away in their emotions, we have the ushers to make sure no one's getting hurt. But nevertheless, God is good, and he is doing something in our lives, and he doesn't need to work in that way either. He can work in miraculous ways, in words of tongue and interpretations, in words of wisdom and knowledge, in words of healing. He can work in many ways, but he is in control, and he is the same God. But the same God who's an all-creative God who wants to do new and exciting things all the time, I believe that the ministry you saw here with Terry is just a glimpse of what God is trying to do at Kingsway. It's far greater, and greater works does he intend to do. Will you say yes, church? Every day, we have opportunities to say yes. Every day. Every day. And so often do I see Christians saying no. No. When they're faced with the adversity, they're like, oh, I'm so frustrated. Things aren't working out for me. This is not good. I I don't like my life. They complain. They're saying no to God. Find a way to say yes. Every day there are so many opportunities to say yes to God. Will you say yes to God? Will you say, yes, God, I will trust you. Yes, God, I will believe in you. Yes, God, you are good. Yes, God, you have something for me. Yes, God, I believe what you're saying. Yes, God, the next service is going to be even better. Yes, God, I can't wait for worship. Yes, God, I can't wait to get into the Word. Yes, God, what is next for me? There's one amen. Why do we say amen in church? It literally means yes, God. So be it. Yes, God, amen. Say it as many times as you want. Say amen. Say yes, God, I don't care. But say something positive to him to invoke his spirit in your life. In Acts, chapter 9, verse 10, it's one of my favorite stories. This is the story of Paul, and he's going down the road of Damascus. And at this point, his name is Saul, and he's trying to kill all the Christians. And God opens the eyes of this guy named Ananias. And he wakes him up, and he says to him, the Lord spoke to him in a vision called Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Yes, Lord, he replied. Many of you in church, many of you here in service will say yes, Lord, when God speaks to you. You'll be excited. You'll worship. Yes, Lord. Yeah, I'll come to worship tonight. Yes, Lord. Yeah, I'll come down to the altar. Yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. Then what happens when the power outage occurs? When you walk back out them doors? What happens when you're not in church? And your pastor ain't standing right there at the anointing oil. What happens when Terry ain't saying all these special things over you? What happens when life begins to stink? You begin to get a little reality. Wow, my condition is worse than I thought it was. He told me I'd be healed. I went to the doctor, and they said, eh. Or he told me that I was going to improve my relationship with somebody. I went home, and that person, you know, snubbed me and and said a lot of bad words to me. Eh. Pastor Terry said I was going to get promotion. I went to work, and they told me I got a bad review. Eh. You see my point? You get out of the power of church. You go out there into the power outage, and you begin to wonder, huh. Same thing happened to Ananias just two verses later. He goes, but Lord, really? I don't want to go. He just said, yes, Lord, two verses earlier. Now it's, I don't want to go. Do you realize who you want me to talk to? Do you realize what you want me to do? I'm going to leave your presence right now. I'm going to have a power outage, and I'm going to be dealing with this guy, Saul, and he's going to kill me. How many of you come to church, and you hear, and you get uplifted in your spirit, and then you leave, and you wonder, can I even make it to the next service? You see, I think it looks a little bit like this. You know what that is? It's dark. It's hard to see. That's, let's just say, my neighborhood. This weekend, completely dark, you couldn't see anything. It's terrible, it's awful. And here's the funny thing about my neighborhood. In your neighborhoods, if you had power outages, maybe one of you had this, this guy. You know what this guy is, right? That's the guy at the generator. You're like, man, he figured it out. You're so attracted to it. You're like, that's where the power is, it's obvious. Look how bright it is. It is obvious where the power is. Are you following the message? You see, at the altar service, you may be enamored with the bright lights of an altar service and prophecy and say, oh, that's God's power at work. I can see it with my eyes. It's one of the reasons God does it. So you can see it with your eyes. The Bible says, greater is the faith of him that does not see than him that does. So you have plenty of opportunities to believe in God without seeing an altar service like that. Man, half the world doesn't see an office service like that and they still believe in God. But you have the privilege and the honor of being in a church where God's spirit moves and people obey it. And you see things like this. What about your house? Now it's time to get personal. What about your house? Is it spiritually void of power? Does your house look like this in your neighborhood? Does your house... Blessed and anointed by God, washed and covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Is your house a place where you can go and it's a sanctuary where there is no sin in your home? Church, let me tell you something. If your house doesn't look like this, you better start working on it. I don't care if it's a husband, if it's a wife, it's a child, if it's a parent, if it's a relative. If they live in your house and there is sin in it, it's time to get it out. And if there's not, and you're honoring God in your house, but you don't have a generator, it's time to plug it in. It's time to ask God to do something in your neighborhood different. People will flock to it. Where do you think the power is, church? I know you guys. Where do you think the power is? You're like, well, it's not in my house, but I bet you it's at Pastor Sean's house. His house got a lot of power in it. I'll come to his house, let him pray for me. People have done it after church. We've been home sleeping. I was home sleeping. A football game was on, it was so boring, I fell asleep. Somebody came to my door, knocked on the door, came into my house, said, pray for me. Your house has got power. It's not my house. There's nothing in my house that's special. But maybe it's not my house. Maybe you think it's the church. It's not just you. Me too. Me too. I thought the same thing. My wife and I were in our home, 930, whatever night it was, Friday night, I guess. And we literally said, I bet you there's power at church. It's in Balmer County. We could go there and have heat. It was 40 degrees in our house. We could turn a TV on. We could go in my office work on my sermon. We considered it. But I said, well, if the power's not on by Saturday, we'll go Saturday to church. I, I believe many of you think the same way. We all think the same way. Well, oh, the power's at church. The power's during the altar call. The power's plugged in here. God works here when all the pastors are here, when the anointing is here. This is where God will work. It can't work outside these doors. There's too many power outages. The power is off in my house, but the power may be on elsewhere. And here we go with my belief of Christianity today. That we are a set of Christians constantly looking for the power elsewhere. If my church doesn't have power, I'll go find another church with power. Oh, the power went off at that church because the worship's not good. I'll go find another church that has power where the preaching's a lot better and the preaching's not good because the assistant pastor's preaching now. I'll go to another church where they have power. They got way better pews anyway. That church don't have power. Then I'll go to the small church. They have power because I can tell the pastor what to do. So I'll find that church. They'll have plenty of power, Etc. 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 Where are you looking for power today? In a church? In a man? A woman? How about a substance? How about an activity? There's no doubt in my mind, if you all were really honest with me, and we had a one-on-one conversation, you would tell me, when I'm really in need, there are times I go to something. And I bet you, for at least half of you, that something isn't Jesus first. It's a bottle, it's another person, it's an activity, it's an experience. It's something else that you know has some power, but it's kind of got like this much power, and the power runs out pretty quick. And I'm trying to convince you today that God has an infinite amount of power that you can tap into. It's so easy, and I'm I'm wrapping up here. One of my favorite verses, and by the way, all these verses today are familiar. That's on purpose. I'm trying to get the word of God into your heart. Deuteronomy 11.20 says, look, today I'm giving you a choice. Church, do you not see this? If you go through all of Scripture, every one of the men and women of God had a choice. And a lot of them said no the first time. Look at Jonah, said no. Look at Job, said no. Look at Jacob, said no. Look at Peter, said no three times. Moses said no. Even Jesus Christ sat down in the garden and said, if it's even possible, let this pass before me. We all struggle, church, but we all have a choice. The choice is between a blessing and a curse. You can choose to believe that God is real today and that God is doing something in your life, or you can choose to believe that that is not true and that all you are left with is the curses and sin of this world. I am here to tell you that is not true. God wants to bless you. God wants to transform your life, church. Having trouble with power? Not plugged in? Are you prepared? That's what my kids told me. Maddie told me, you have to be prepared even when it's sunny out. It was a sunny day. It was a sunny day, so I was not prepared. I was waiting for the storms and the thunder and the dark clouds. I would have been prepared for that. This was not the preparation I needed. You need to be prepared, church. How many of you are reading your word? How many of you are downloading the podcast and listen to them? Some of you are doing it now since I've been encouraging you to. That's why we put them online. That you can study these words, that you can study the scripture. You can study the word that God is speaking to you. The scripture said, today happened today happened. My message was today happened a year ago. This message is today happens again. Today can be a bad thing or it can be a good thing. Today is your opportunity for something different to happen. Today you can say, I will count on God. Instead of thinking about Murphy, I will choose Jesus. Do you hear me church? Today did happen. You are here. You're listening to this service. Make today the start that we don't have to think about these power outages. Any time there is an outage, a response is required. Do you throw your hands up and do you just curse God? Many of us dealt with power outages. How did you handle it? Ah, oh, woe is me, my situation, my family. It's that way every day. You walk out of these doors here, and do you say, woe is me. God's not working in my life, my family. You are suffering from a power outage spiritually. And I desperately want to see you plug in. How do you plug in, you may ask? How can you plug in? Well, here's a good idea. Come to church. Find out where the outlet is. That's what the church service is about. Learning where the outlet is. Here's another idea. Tonight we're having a worship service. This is an opportunity for you to consider to plug your plug into the outlet. It's a chance for you to experience God's presence in this place. You can connect through God's word, through God's worship, and through his warfare. That's prayer. If you are not good at one of those things, get good quick. If you don't like reading the Bible, if you're not good at reading the Bible, if it doesn't come natural to you, fine, get into worship. Find worship music all the time. Put it on in the morning. Put it on in the afternoon. Put it on at night. Put it in your car. Turn off the secular radio listen to God's worship. If you're not a music person, get into God's Word. If you're not a, a reader and you're not a worship person, fine. If you're a talker and all you want to do is talk and talk and talk, get off the phone. Get off Facebook and start talking to Him. Pray on your hands and knees and intercede for one another. If you're a talker, you're a listener, you're a looker, there's something in God for you. Plug in. Church he is in control the Bible says that he has plans for you not to harm you not to destroy you plans to give you hope to give you a future despite the power outages in your life he sees you despite how much you're tapped into he knows you despite what you do with it he loves you this is the God we serve you know what church every week we hand out these bulletins and every week my wife she's focused on the bulletins And there are a lot of reasons we do it and the one reason that I have decided that we will stop at nothing to make sure we have bulletins isn't because of the announcements it's not because of the pictures or all the ink or the paper it's not because of all that but if you take your bulletin and you don't even open it if you just have it in your hand Now you look at the front, what does it say? Do you trust him enough today to believe he is good? That he will bring you good from all of the bad. Scripture is full of situations where man or Satan intended evil. And to begin to bring that down on God's people. But God overruled those intentions for his good. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.